Welcome to the STSA Church Podcast. Each week, we discuss relevant, thought-provoking topics that challenge us to understand our faith more personally and engage in it more practically. We aim to communicate the depth and riches of our ancient faith in simple and understandable ways that are relatable to the modern world. One and welcome to the well here at STSA for those in Arlington and our friends in Leesburg. Um, where we are wrapping up a series that I hope you've enjoyed as much as I've enjoyed it, um, where we've been going through the miracles um, of Christ, um, some of the miracles. um, And what we've been trying to focus in on is not just the miracles in and of themselves, but kind of the miracle within the miracle. Okay, so if you remember, we looked, for example, at like the 10 lepers. Okay, and the miracle within the miracle was a heart of gratitude. Okay, so that's what we've been kind of doing uh, throughout the series, and if you've missed any of them, they're all online, um, and you can check them out um, anytime you like. Today we're going to be discussing a miracle, as you just saw in that video, um, a miracle that is near and dear to many people's hearts, um, and it's about a woman who had been suffering for 12 years, um, and this miracle is actually recorded in the three synoptic gospels. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, today we're going to be reading from the account according to St. Mark. Okay, so we're going to read this um, passage together from the Gospel of St. Mark. And a, woman who, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So right off the bat, we get a picture of who this woman is. Okay, This woman has been suffering with this uh, sickness, some sort of bleeding disorder thing, and it's been happening for 12 years. And she's been left and right paying anyone um, to, to heal her of this sickness. And instead, as it says right there, instead of getting better, she was getting worse. So if you put yourself in this lady's shoes, 12 years is a long time. 12 years is a long time. Now imagine you're going to doctors and they're promising, yeah, yeah, I can fix it, no problem, whatever. Okay, hopefully our, our doctors today have a little bit more you know, ethics going on. But back then, you know, yeah, I'll fix it, no problem. You just pay me and I'll take care of it. And for 12 years, this process going on and on and on and on, and nothing. And instead of getting better, she's getting worse. This woman, you automatically feel sorry for. Like right off the bat, you feel sorry for. But what makes it worse is that because it's related to bleeding back in the Old Testament times and back in in Jesus' time, um, this lady also, not only is she dealing with this physical sickness, but she's isolated, okay? She's been isolated um, from her community. She's isolated from, like she can't even like go to the temple to like for any of the celebrations or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so she's completely isolated. Um, and the fact that she's here in the crowds with Jesus, next to Jesus, around any of these crowds would actually have been frowned upon. Okay, because she's supposed to stay away from everybody. She's supposed to be like completely isolated from everyone. And yet we see this woman here. And the reason that she's there is because she's desperate. She's tried everything. She's talked to everyone. She's seen every doctor. She's tried everything and everything and everything under the sun and nothing. So she's here now and she's desperate. And she's doing it in a way that, yes, may be frowned upon according to her like Jewish community, but to her, she has no other, she has no other way. She has no other choice. The first lesson for us here as we see this lady's desperation is that God can use our most desperate moments to lead us to him. God can use our most desperate moments to lead us to him. And if you're looking to take notes, by the way, you can do this on on the STSA app if you'd like to take notes and send them to yourself later. God can use our most desperate moments to lead us to him. It's when when we are at our weakest, 
when we are at our wit's end, that we tend to have a completely open heart to God. And we hate to say that. We hate to feel weak. We hate to feel desperate. But that's the truth. The truth is that a lot of times when we go through something that no money can solve, my brain and my logic can't figure out, that's when I become desperate. And when I become desperate, my heart becomes open. And God uses that openness to bring us closer to him. Now here's where we have to be careful. It doesn't mean that God causes those situations. God certainly allows those situations, but it doesn't mean God is the cause of those situations. But still, he can use those moments. And what it shows us, and what it, we'll see today in, with this lady, is that those desperate moments are not beyond the reach of God. I'm not saying God solves all our problems. I'm not saying it that way. But nothing is beyond the reach of God. Nothing is beyond God intervening, as we'll see today with this, with this lady and, and her story. God can use those moments to create hearts that learn to trust him, to create hearts that are open to maybe repentance, to changing life, to transformation. Those are the moments that God looks for. He says, great, this is an opportunity. The heart is open. Let me enter. The story of this lady continues. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touched his clothes, I will be healed. If I just touched him, and not even him, his cloak. If I just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. I love this part so much because it shows us that this lady believed in the power of Christ. She believed in it so much that she didn't need a word from Christ. She didn't need to like get the attention of Christ and beg, and, and which is not wrong, but she believed so much in the power of Christ that she said, if I just touch the cloak, I'm going to be healed. And some of us would say, you know what, okay, fine. But she's desperate. Like, of course she's going to do that. She's desperate. But would we have all reacted that way? Like, sometimes you think, okay, she's desperate. She has no other options. Of course she's going to do it this way. You're telling me that you wouldn't have gotten a little bit hopeless? 12 years? You've paid everyone under the sun to try to solve this issue for you. In 12 years, you wouldn't have lost a little bit of hope? There wouldn't have been a little bit of doubt inside of you that, you know what, this Jesus person that they say is so great, maybe he'll solve it. But man, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. But we see the faith of this lady, despite those 12 years of suffering, despite maybe moments of doubt or moments of hopelessness, she says, no, I know. And that's what it says right there, that if I just touched his clothes, I will be healed. She says it with certainty. She knows it. And that's impressive faith that we see right off the bat. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. That she was freed from her suffering. If you're walking with this lady, imagine if you're a friend of this lady. You can't imagine that the joy that she's feeling in that moment. Like she says, if I just, she's tried everything. She said, if I just touch this man's cloak, I'll be healed. And she does it, and immediately, she feels freed from her suffering. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the relief? Like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The reason that this lady experienced that today is because she wouldn't take no for an answer. She would go through the crowds, unclean and all, to go to Jesus. And the reason that she knew that she was going to be healed is because she understood something that I believe sometimes we take for granted. The difference between us and this lady, and I'm going to say something and forgive me, but this is what I truly believe. 
we underestimate the power we can receive from God. We underestimate the power we can receive from God. There's so many times somebody will come uh, to me in, in like confession. Don't worry, I'm not going to share any confessions. It's against, it's against my job, okay? So just at ease. But so many times somebody will come to me in confession and they'll say something like, you know, I'm struggling with this thing and, and this thing and the li list off sins and whatever. I'm like, I'm great. How's your prayer life going? I'm like, who cares about my prayer life? Like, that's not, <laughs> like, sol solve my issue here. Like, my issue, like, with lying or whatever. Like, we talk about my prayer life. I'm like, great. Like, how's, like, scripture, re like, are you reading scripture every day? Like, are you, like, you know, investing in your spiritual life? Like, what, what's going on? Are you going to church on Sundays? Are you participating in the sacraments? Like, wh what's going on? And they're looking at me like I'm, like, the dumbest person on the face of the planet. Like, I couldn't be further away from their, like, solution to their problem. And the reason is because this. We underestimate the power we receive from God when we go to God. This lady said, if I just got a touch of the cloak, like, like barely just like a touch of Christ, I'm going to receive amazing power from him. But we, a lot of times, underestimate the power that we receive from God. And that's why we ask ourselves the questions of, you know what? Let's be honest. We've been there. What difference is five minutes of prayer going to do? What difference is it if I read a verse versus a passage today in the scripture or not read at all? What difference is it going to make? What difference is it going to make if I come every Sunday or once a month? What difference is it going to make? Is it really going to make a difference, Father Timothy? Is it going to make a difference in my life? When we ask those questions, we don't understand what we're participating in. We don't understand who we're going to meet. We are going to meet the King of Kings. We are going to meet the one who says, power came out of me. Like, that's the person we're going to meet. And when we ask ourselves those questions, is because we just don't get it. We don't get it. We underestimate the power that comes from meeting with God, the power that comes from touching Christ. This lady shows us that she believes in great power that comes from touching Christ. And we could do the same thing spiritually. If we believed in the power that comes from God, we wouldn't underestimate. We wouldn't treat our time in prayer as optional. We wouldn't treat our time in scripture as optional. We wouldn't treat coming to, to church or, or confession or what, participating in sacraments, whatever, as optional. We'd say, I'm going to go receive something great from God. And it doesn't mean that all my problems are going to be solved like this. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that I'm going to receive something great from God. We have to believe in this power that God has. And then when we ask him that he can help us, that he can give us power, that's why the church teaches us that some of our prayers are actually very bold. Some of our prayers are very, very bold in the church. One of the prayers that I love very much is the Thanksgiving prayer that we pray um, at the beginning of every service. And at the end of that service, it says this, for it is you who have given us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy. Do we believe that? Like, do I feel this all the time? Uh, like, I'll speak for myself. I don't feel this all the time. And you are probably thinking to yourself, I don't feel this all the time. But this is in our prayers. This is true. Like just because I don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. You know what the difference is? The disconnect. Who's the one giving the authority? Christ. I don't have that authority in and of myself. I can't just go live my life saying, oh, I have the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. I don't have that power. I don't have that gift. But I receive that power from him. I receive that power when I go to him. And I live my life with him. 
we go to him to receive this authority, to receive this power. If we have our hearts open to God and we don't underestimate the power that we can receive from God, that's when there's transformation in our spiritual lives. That's when we can take our lives from here with God and our, and our spiritual life from here to here. When my prayer life is no longer optional, when my scripture reading is no longer optional, but I view that as, wow, this is time to gain something great from God. God wants to share something beautiful with me. God wants to transform me, not in one time or two times, but throughout my life. Let's continue and see what happens with uh, Jesus' response as well as the lady. At once, <clears throat> at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And, and keep that phrase in mind, that power had gone out from him. The lady said, if I just touch him, I'm going to receive something great. And he felt power had gone out from him. And the disciples responded, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? So they're, in their minds, they're saying, this is kind of a silly question, Jesus. Okay, they're like correcting Jesus if he doesn't know what he's saying. They're like, come on. Like everybody's around you. Everybody's trying to touch you. Like who cares? Is there like a specific person that touched you? There's a million people that touched you. What are you talking about? What this shows us is that Jesus is in the midst of a large crowd, but he cares about each individual. Like there's many people going to Jesus, but he cares about each individual. Jesus cares for everyone, but also desires intimacy with every single individual. And to put this in further perspective, Jesus, by the we didn't read this part in the passage, Jesus is actually not just surrounded by a crowd, he's actually having a busy day because he's already on the way to do another healing. Does anybody remember the other healing he's doing in the context of this one? He's going to raise Jairus' daughter from, from the dead. Okay, so he's on his way. Jairus comes to him. He says, please help me. My daughter's sick. She's not dead yet. Okay, when, when they go. But he said, come heal my daughter. So Jesus is on the way. There's a healing here. And if you're Jairus, you're probably wondering, like, can we speed up the process? Okay, like, my daughter's really sick. Can we, like, just keep it moving? And Jesus says, no, I'm slowing everything down. I'm slowing everything down. And if I'm Jairus, I'm, like, very annoyed. Like, my daughter... Like, my young daughter is sick, and I don't know how long this is going to last. And in Jairus' mind, of course, he's not thinking about Jesus raising her from the dead. He's just hoping that he can heal her from her sickness. So he's like, man, like, let's just get the show on the road. But Jesus stops everything. He says, who touched me? So the disciples are like, we're being surrounded by crowds. We're on our way to heal this guy's daughter, and you're asking who touched me. Like, this doesn't seem like the best time to ask that question. This seems like, uh, like inconvenient, but Jesus doesn't care. He shows us that, and this applies to all of us, that to God, you are not just another person in the crowd. It doesn't matter what else is going on. God isn't too busy, okay? Like for us, sometimes we think like we're just a number in the crowd. And God says, no, I'll stop everything. You're coming to meet with me. You're coming to receive touch from me, power from me. I stop everything. It's just me and you. There's intimacy there. You know, if you're working, like, for a big company, sometimes you feel like you're employee number nine, five, four, like, you're just the employee ID. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what your name is. You're just the employee ID. Sometimes I feel like we apply that logic in our spiritual life. Like, yes, I know God loves me, but, like, there's so many of us. Like, God loves all of us. So, like, can he, like, really take the time to, like, spend time with me? And yes, of course. Not only can he, he wants to. 
And we see that today with this lady specifically. Jesus is showing us how he cares about every single one of us. And that's why in the Gospel of St. John, we read something similar. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So we see the shepherd, the good shepherd, caring for the collective, all his sheep. But we also see what? That he knows them by what? What does it say right there? By name. He knows them by name. He knows them individually. He knows each one individually. This is a good reminder for us that when we feel unimportant, when we feel we're just another person in the crowd, that God doesn't see me, that God isn't listening, that God is whatever, God says, no, I am paying attention, and I do see you, and I see exactly what you're going through. Let's see Jesus' response to the disciples. So the disciple says, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? So what is his response? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. So he's not stopping. He's still doing it. He's persistent. He said, I'm not leaving until I find out who touched me. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Jesus is so persistent, he's not leaving until he finds out exactly what happened. And we maybe get a hint for at least why he's doing this. Yes, he cares about, of course he cares about her individually. But if you notice the language there, is that she was what? Trembling with fear. She was scared. She was scared, which is strange. Like she just received healing, but she's scared. What was she scared of? She's unclean. And she's scared that now this is going to be like a scandal. And now Jesus is unclean. And the crowds are unclean. And this is like a big thing. St. John Chrysostom tells us that one of the reasons that Jesus stopped everything to make sure that this lady came forth, like forward and then he talked to her is because he wanted to end her fear. He didn't want her to live her life in fear anymore. And that's why this is Jesus' response to her confession. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The first thing that Jesus says to her is, Daughter, mine, daughter. That's the first thing that he says. And of course, to this lady who's been isolated, who is viewed as unclean, who has all these things in her mind, the most precious thing to hear from the Messiah is daughter. That's the most precious thing to hear. She thought she would hear, why would you touch me? You made me unclean. Now we have to go through the whole thing and like we have to go through like the, the ceremonial cleansing and all this stuff. Like, why would you touch me, lady? You know that's not the right way. But this is Jesus. It's different with Jesus. He's not like any other rabbi. Jesus corrected a thought that she may have had, and maybe he's trying to correct the same thought that's in us. When we approach God, this lady thought, I made Jesus unclean. Jesus is correcting a thought. You can't make Jesus unclean. It's impossible. You can't make Jesus unclean. No matter what you come to Jesus with, you can't make Jesus unclean. It's impossible. Jesus cleanses. You can't make him unclean. This lady thought that in my condition, I'm too unclean to be brought to the master directly. I'm going to try to do this thing in secret. I'm going to almost try to steal a miracle, okay, as if Jesus doesn't know what's going on. Like I'm going to try to steal a miracle and just kind of go about my way and nobody's going to know anything. Me and you can 
can relate to this, can we? How often is it that someone says, you know what, I can't go back now. I'm just too gross. I'm too disgusting. I can't go back to God now. I can't go back to God now. I don't want to offend God. You know, sometimes, in, in like I've, I've heard this before, like where preachers say, like, our sins offend God. Our sins offend God. Our sins offend God. Okay, well, if my sins offend God, then let me just not go to God. Like, why am I going to offend God? Like, why am I going to go offend someone who has the power of the universe? Like, why go to God to begin with? I remember someone uh, telling me one time, uh, like I was asking them, like, you know, like, why aren't you coming to church and, and all the stuff? And like, you know, I've thought about coming to confession many times, but you haven't heard a confession like mine. Like, my confession is just like a different kind of confession. Okay, so they were just telling me, like, you just, you don't get it. Like, I, you might have heard confessions, but you haven't really heard, like, this kind of confession. I wanted to tell the person, like, I've only been a priest for a short period of time. Like, I've only been a priest for, like, four years. I've pretty much heard everything, like, under the sun. Like, nothing is really going to shock me. Like, maybe at 10 years I'll hear something for the first, like, I doubt it. But, like, truthfully, like, I've heard a lot, okay? In, in a very short period of time, I've heard a lot. And I was telling the person, like, do you think that's how God is? Like, God is saying, oh, like, your confession, oh, that's different. Like, your confession, like, everybody else I forgive. But yours, no, yours is a special case. You just kind of stay on the side right there. And I'll, let me think about it. Let me think about if I'm going to forgive or not. And I think that's sometimes how we approach God. Like, how people come to God. And they're like, well, I'm going to make God, un like, God's going to, like, can God really accept me? Like, it's kind of gross. You can't make Jesus unclean. You can't make Jesus unclean. It's impossible. You can't come to God. And God's like, ooh, that, that, that's, that's really disgusting. Like that, that one, that's just too much. Like that's really unholy. That's not how God works. You know what God is offended by? If you want to know what God is offended by, God is offended when his children are sick and refuse to go to him. His children are sick and they refuse to go to him. That would offend me. Like if my child, my child was like, oh, I'm sick, but there's, you know, like, like, there's too much boogers, so I don't want to go to dad, like, to, to, to wipe my nose. Like, of course, that doesn't happen. I get wiped on my face, okay? But, like, just, just for sake of the, the, you know, theoretical here. Like, of course not. I want my child to come, tell me they're sick, and, like, we, we heal, and we go to the doctor, and whatever. Like, of course. That's how God is. That's what St. Peter tells us, right? St. Peter tells us what? That God desires that no one should perish, but all should repent and be saved. No matter where you've been or what you've done, Jesus today is saying, son, daughter, that title doesn't go away. The title doesn't go away. It doesn't mean that we should continue living a life that, that's, that's, you know, uh, like full of sin or whatever. Like we should make an effort to come back to God. But we can always come back to God. The door is always open to come back to God. There's no amount, there's no amount of uncleanliness before God that makes you lose that, ch that title, child of God, son or daughter. And that's why I love the song that we sang earlier. Like son of God or daughter of God, child of God. There's no amount of uncleanliness that now you're, that title is gone. That's not how it works. St. Paul in Hebrews tells us the way that we should approach God. He tells us very clearly the way that we should approach God. And it's actually we take this um, like a form of this prayer, and we apply it to like the, the conclusion of the fractions. You know, the fractions before like, you know, uh, before we're about to receive communion and stuff. So like we apply this prayer in, in, in our fraction as well in the conclusion. St. Paul says it this way in Hebrews. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us come boldly. I can ask God for help. I can ask God for mercy. I can ask God for grace. And how can I come boldly, even in a state of uncleanliness? How can I come boldly? Because my title hasn't disappeared. I'm a child of God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Like, the child of God, that doesn't go away. The miracle within the miracle today is God's infinite love and mercy. That's the miracle within the miracle today. Is This lady thought she was going to hear something else. Like, she received the healing already. But she thought she was going to get reprimanded. How could you touch me? Don't you know you're unclean? But Jesus says what? Daughter, your faith has saved you. We don't deserve that kind of love by God. And yes, in our logic, God should be offended, but that's not how God works. He views us as his children. I remember as a kid, uh, it's one of my favorite stories that I, that I like to tell. So um, I think I was maybe like five or six, something, something like that. I was pretty young. Um, and I did what all kids do. I was playing uh, like with, with a ball in the house. Okay, So like, I think it was like soccer ball or something. And I was playing with a soccer ball in the house. And we had just gotten, okay, and this is like, this is a long time ago, and this was expensive, okay? We had just gotten like a new TV, okay? And this new TV, it was brand new, like we had barely used it, like brand new TV. TV was sitting on this nice TV stand, okay? And I'm playing with a soccer ball in the house. So <laughs> I'm playing with a soccer ball in the house, and I, you know, being a genius that I am at the age of, I was a prodigy, okay, at the age of five, um, I kicked the soccer ball. And I still, to this day, have no idea how I knock the TV over off the TV stand and the thing psh, crashes and the thing is completely done. There's no like, oh, can we fix it? No, no, no. It's like it's destroyed, like completely destroyed. So I did exactly what, you know, any smart five or six-year-old uh, does in that situation. I ran. Okay? Like I made a run for it. I was like, all right, I guess th is, this was a nice family thing that we had going on here, but like, <laughs> it's time to go. Like I don't know what the solution is. Okay? In my mind, I'm like, all right, it's time, it's time to leave. So I, I ran out of the house, and I don't think I got very far because I was five, um, but I, I ran out of the house, and then my dad comes and finds me. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I had to run. You know, like, I'm on the run, like, from the cops. Like, I'm on the run. And then he's like, why, why are you running? And I was like, well, the, did you see, like, the, the TV thing? And he's like, yeah, like, I didn't miss the TV being smashed on the floor. Yes, I saw the TV. And I was like, so he's like, okay, so, like, why'd you run? I'm like, the TV. He's like, I don't get, like, why did you run? I'm like, well, the TV is broken. I thought you'd be, like, really upset. He's like, okay, the TV broke. But, like, you're not going to, like, leave the house. You're not, like, not my son anymore. That's not how this works. So, like, I didn't understand that philosophy. I was like, okay, great. This, this thing is still going to work out. Thank God. Okay, so I'm like, great. So he's like, who cares about the TV? Like, you're my son. Like, it's just a TV. Like, it's just a TV. And God is the same with us. Like, God is saying, hey, like, okay, you messed up. I'm not saying it's great. You messed up. You're going to run out of the house now? Like, you're all laughing. You're saying that's so silly. Like, how could you possibly think that? You're going to run out of the house now? You're no longer my child now? You've lost your title now. Like, you messed up, so now you're no longer my son. Is that how that works? I still, this, you could tell a story, like, I have one of the worst memories on the face of the planet, and this story is always in my mind because it taught me such a valuable lesson, okay? This is a great example of a father being like our Heavenly Father, okay? So it taught me an example of, you know what, yeah, you don't lose 
You don't lose your, your, your title as child of God. You don't lose it when you mess up. But what God wants is what? Come back. Come inside the house. Come. We're going to work on this together. Let's heal. Let's figure it out. Let's fix it. God always wants us to go to him. God always wants us to go to him. He wants us to receive forgiveness. He wants us to receive healing. He wants us to receive transformation. He never wants us to live in fear. He never wants us to live in shame. That's not the way this works. That's not the way he, he designed us to live. God is waiting with his arms open for me and you and saying, my son, my daughter, come. I'll make you clean. Don't worry. You can't make me unclean. Don't worry. You can't run out of the house and now you've lost your title as son or daughter. That's not the way this works. You broke the thing. Okay, that's fine. Just come back. I got you. The miracle of today, the miracle of today, if you were to ask me, this lady got freed from terrible suffering for 12 years, and that's a beautiful miracle. But the miracle of today within the miracle is that Christ is telling each and every single one of us, you cannot make me unclean. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you think, but what you can do is you can come to me. And when you come to me, there's great power there to be received from me. Don't underestimate the power that you can receive from me. It's something great. It's something beautiful that you can receive from me. My prayer is that all of us can let this sink into our hearts and that we truly believe it for ourselves, but we also preach it to those outside, those who feel like they're not worthy to come inside, those who feel like, you know what, I've done too much. I'm too far gone now. Let's hold this in and let's pray for anyone that's on our hearts and pray for ourselves that we don't think about, we don't think this about ourselves at any point in our spiritual lives, that we're always willing to come back to God knowing that we can't make him unclean. Let's stand up and pray together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, for your mercy, for your grace, for your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be your children. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we can't lose that title. We don't lose that title, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that you want us to live lives that are full of healing, lives that are full of your grace, lives that are full of transformation. Just like this lady today, Lord, who was trembling to come before you and to confess what happened, and she was worried that she was going to offend you or, or that you were going to be ashamed of her, whatever it was going to be, Lord. And you just said, daughter, my child. And you say the same thing to every single one of us, Lord. Lord, my prayer is that this settles in each and every single one of our hearts, that we're always teaching this to those around us, that we bring others closer to you, Lord, and that we bring them back to you, reminding them that they haven't lost their title as child of God. I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church. I thank you for every single person that's here. And I pray, Lord, that this message resonates with all of us and that it is truly in our hearts. Pray all these things in your name through intercessions of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power. We hope today's message inspires you in your faith journey. And at the end of this episode, we invite you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel.